Hey, this is Shalian Soraya, and you are listening to the Soul Wine Podcast. Okay, we're here with Bradley. Hello, Bradley. Hi. Bradley um, is one of my besties, but we wanted her on for this episode, our first official guest. Yes! I'm so excited. I'm so honored. I think I already told you, yeah, I already told you guys yesterday, I'm pretty much your number one fan. So (laughs) I appreciate the invite, honored to be the first guest, and I hope I can add something of value to the conversation because you guys have such valuable conversations here. Oh, Oh. you will. I can feel it. Yes. Yes. And this is our second time recording this episode. So (laughs) trial and error on our part. It's our first Google Meet episode too. So if the audio is kind of crazy, shoot Google, don't shoot us. Yeah, (laughs) it is what it is. (laughs) I'm so excited to record again <laughs> because even just our conversation yesterday I was telling Shalia I just felt like you're so knowledgeable and so easy to talk to and so I'm excited for everyone to hear your experiences oh, and we're, I'm just really excited yeah like I had a really fun time hanging out with you guys yesterday like I you guys aren't on missions but you're still out here doing the Lord's work because they're <laughs> really important conversations and you guys are setting people up for success with these combos. So thank you. No, thank you. Just to get so, started. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, 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 you go ahead. I think I was about to ask what you were going to say. <laughs> okay. Well, I just wanted to start off with Bradley. Like, where are you from? What do you do? That kind of thing. Yes. So I was born and raised in the show me state. Um, Kansas City, so Casey Moe in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm born out here in the Midwest um, for my day job, and one thing I'm really passionate about as well, I work for KU Upward Bound, um, and Upward Bound is just a college access program. We work with first-generation, low-income students, and we help them get to college. Uh, we just basically really help them with any kind of post-secondary education plans that they have. Just a couple years ago, I got licensed to buy and sell real estate out here in Missouri, so I am uh, doing that as well. And then uh, my husband and I, we run a cannabis cultivation page as well. And that's uh, at Jackson County Kush. So holla at my husband. Woo! I'm so tight. <laughs> Get your bag, sis. I love it. I'm all over the place, but thank you guys. <laughs> so I had a question just like in regards to your KU Upward Bound, you know, what you do for your profession. How? When did your passion for education start? You know, it actually, so... Um, my whole journey with Upward Bound, it actually started when I was in high school because I was an Upward Bound student. Um, Upward Bound had come to my high school and was recruiting. And on the very first day of their summer program, it was just myself and 10 other students. Um, And I was just, you know, one of those kids that I was really ambitious and I really wanted to do something, but I had Mm. no what that thing was um my parents you know my mom she she's a rock star now she's actually um been a real estate broker for 20 years but she dropped out of high school when she was 15 and got her ged um, my dad he got a wrestling scholarship but you know after he got bored of wrestling he dropped out of college both of his parents are Samoan immigrants so i really had no idea what to do <laughs> like i knew i wanted to do something but my parents, they really, they weren't sure what to advise me. They just knew that I needed to do something after high school as far as education.
education. And so Upward Bound was kind of a blessing to me when it came um, and I became a part of the program. What they do and what we do to this day is, you know, they take you on a lot of campus visits. They take you um, to different cities to see different colleges. They give you workshops on um etiquette and college campus behavior and that kind of stuff. So it really kind of sparked an interest in me. And I realized that my passion is education. Um, And also, you know, after I graduated high school, the program that I was in got defunded. So that's actually what I'm working on now as um, an advisor. I'm working on getting a new grant and bringing back that old program. So that's where my interest all started was when I was in high school. That is so cool. And you know what? I think that's so useful, just like campus etiquette when you mentioned that especially being Polynesian and our parents are as when we're first generation Polynesian, even if we're second generation Polynesian like me, they don't really talk about that kind of stuff until you're at college and you're like, I don't know yeah. how to act. One really popular <laughs> workshop that I do with my students is called Confidence in College Spaces. And it's just teaching them, you know, the basics of a college campus, the basic terminology. Um, but one thing I always tell them as well is there's not really a big difference between them and the students that are there. Um, I often share the story of myself. Like whenever I started, I went to Mizzou and I got like all scholarships for my freshman year. And whenever I got there, uh, my roommate, her and I, we had the same GPA. We had the same like ACT scores. Uh, We were very similar students, had similar class rank. Um, But the biggest difference between her and I is that I was a first generation student and she was a legacy student. So Mm -hmm. a legacy student means that either her parent or maybe her grandparent also graduated from Mizzou. So on paper, we're the same exact student, you know, but in reality, you know, she was much more confident in that space and she was much more familiar with that space. So, you know, she kind of walked around like she owned the place, whereas (laughs) I walked around like a guest, right? Like I'm a guest in somebody else's space. So that's that's the importance of getting that confidence is that you realize every space that you walk into is your space to own. I love that. And it kind of ties in like timing wise, you know, because say if if you were a student that was after when you guys did get defunded, how different your outlook and probably how different your career path would have been. Oh, absolutely. Like I, I really I and that's kind of the reason why I feel like it's my responsibility to bring it back because Mm -hmm. without it, I know that I would not have been able to get where I've gotten as easily as I got there. It was with the guidance of my counselors at Upward Bound um, that I was able to navigate those spaces so easily because they were giving me the cheat codes, you know, Mm -hmm. and they were telling me, you know, go to these offices, you know, contact this person. They were, they pay for um, extra ACT attempts, you know, they pay for Mm. All of those college applications, they paid for all of them, you know, and those are those are huge, right? Those are $50, $60 fees sometimes, you know, and for a low-income family or for a first-gen family, that can add up, you know, and when I went off to college, my parents still, you know, they still had four kids at home, you know, so it was, it was up to me to get the scholarships to pay for it, and without Upward Bound, I would have had no idea how to get all that money on my own. That's amazing. And I, I'm so glad that you mentioned that too, because it is huge because my parents both graduated from college, but they all, I know the education system was just so different when they were in high school. And so for me going into high school, like having to pay for tests, they were like, what, why do you have to pay like 80, the ACT test? I'm, it's probably more expensive now, but Mm -hmm. when I was in high school, it was like $30 
$85 just to take one test. And, you know, my first score was not all that. So I had to look into different avenues to get free attempts. Um, and people don't really understand that, especially, you know, like coming from that legacy student aspect, it, it's like completely, I hope people understand that it's so foreign to some people knowing that your grandparents or great grandparents graduated college. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that is, I'm super glad that you mentioned that because yeah, people don't understand that those fees are really not super easy for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I really commend you for that because so many kids need that, especially people of color and first gen families. And that's kind yeah. of like why, you know, I love you guys in your podcast so much as well, right? Because it's something where I easily, you know, could have taken this information and just gone on and done my thing with it, right? And kind of kept it to myself and kind of mm -hmm. forgot about, you know, our communities and forgot about the program that helped me, you know? And that's why I really love that you guys are out here having these conversations because they are helpful to those around you. And there's people who do need to hear it. And I think we kind of talked about this a little bit last night as well Is these are some things that kind of, I feel like we could have been warned about as well, right? We had older siblings, we had kind of a generation of older cousins and maybe even younger aunties and uncles who've kind of been through this already and didn't really share the knowledge and didn't really kind of set up us for success. So I feel like it's, if, if we don't do it, who will, right? If, if we aren't the yes. people, if we aren't the people who change it, if we aren't the people who um, start and plant that seed, who's going to do it? Are we going to wait for another generation to run into the same issues that we faced, run into the same trials that we faced? Um, or are we going to make it a little bit easier for them and make it, um, you know, kind of help lift them up before they have to go through those trials? Um, one thing my dad always told me is, um, why learn by your experience when you can learn from the experiences of others, you know, and, mm. and that's exactly what we should do. We should take the experiences that we have um, and kind of help our younger uh, generations set them up for success. That is so true. I love that. And I think the whole basis of our episode that we wanted to do, we decided that we'd talk about timing, but I feel like maybe going a little bit further, this episode will be about growth and just how like you have grown into those spaces. Like you have gone to college, you have gotten your degrees and all that. And I think one aspect of growth is kind of coming back and sharing that knowledge, especially in the poly community. I feel like there's just a stigma of just like, I want to be the first and only and yes. only my close circle is going to know about all the shortcuts <laughs> or whatever, yeah. you know, like, I feel like everybody always just kind of wants to keep it for themselves. But we're all trying to you know have the same goal we all want to live our best life but we can't do that until I don't know everybody's doing that and is open to that absolutely and I think I don't know there's this kind of maybe this misconception that there's not enough money or success for everyone and it's just not the case you know we yeah. look around us and so many other cultures and races are able to build you know build each other up and build their businesses up and build their neighborhoods mm -hmm. and and come together as a community and honestly i feel like our parents and our grandparents were better about that they were better about getting together and gathering mm -hmm. together and maybe yes. not always like supporting each other monetarily but supporting each other emotionally you know they'd show up you know they'd yes. come to plate cells they'd come to 
whatever events you're throwing, your your kids' birthday parties. And, you know, they were a very supportive community. And I feel like if we were to take that same spirit of love and tradition and kind of combine it with our new modern lives, like we could really help each other and we could really build each other up. And, and that's why I like, I don't know, like if you guys are like if you guys know a lot of teens in your life, but they're so smart. Like I really don't know yes. what about this younger generation, but they are smart as hell. Like they, they really are. I really think this is the generation that can really get into the sciences and the maths and the engineering and really kind of change the whole um, narrative around Polynesian success. You know, what is a successful Polynesian? Is it an NFL player? Um, is mm. it you know, is it somebody who owns a restaurant? You know, can we break away from what we're used to and start being, you know, the doctors and the lawyers and the engineers and really building up our community in a in a generational way, in a permanent way? Yes, yes. And I really respect that mindset too, because if we do look at like history and the research, oppressed peoples, now that we're quote unquote afforded equal opportunities, even though that's not really the case <laughs> most of the time, but we see our world now when we see like, for example, the black community in America, when I look at them and we look at the research, they are, they have like a, I think the statistic is about 70% of a black American or, you know, black American families are without the father figure. Um, in their home. And then they trace that back. I've seen people talk about why that is. And a lot of it is just that mentality where, you know, they're here. And when they were finally afforded the same quote unquote rights as whites, they wanted to try and like skip ahead to be successful. And so they turn to those different avenues like rapping or gang violence or something. So there's like this certain stereotype now that had began with the black community that a successful black man is a rich rapper, lots of girls, you know, and this isn't just like me talking stereotypically, there's people that have like done research on this. And so now that we see that it's like totally affected generations to come of like what people or like the black youth view as a successful career or opportunity or something. So most of them are turning to those types of avenues. And so I'm really, I really like that mindset that you mentioned that we you know there isn't just like one stereotype of a successful polynesian person which is what we always are categorized by the oppressors colonizers or whatever they think we're good for fighting sports physical things but they are so smart like you said like this next generation they can be the ones to take up those stem places and i really hope that we can use our platforms to promote all kinds of success because it's not just one form of success like you can't just be like an athlete that's not all that we're good for we can be good in, in a lot of different places we can be good at podcasts <laughs> or you know other things like that and education stuff like that so i really hope like what you said that we try our hardest that this generation really just like breaks out and tries to promote that you know all around success instead of what the world expects us to be and that's why yeah. honestly i think you guys do a very you guys do a very important job here because kind of like you mentioned like for example with the black community people try and pinpoint um why certain behaviors come about of certain races and i think that one thing that we kind of touched on yesterday that 
is very important to consider when we're considering um, the behaviors of black and brown communities is the traumas that these communities have experienced. And um, specifically the black community as well, obviously they have experienced much, much more traumas than our ancestors have as far as, you know, in American history. But that's one thing that we need to talk about as well as a community is what generational traumas are we not addressing, right? And that was one thing that we talk about with, because we talk about slavery, we kind of talked about slavery yesterday and how um, when it's easy for people to understand why maybe a military man who comes back, it's easy to understand why that person has PTSD. And that person um, who went off on a military tour, you know, they come back and they often, you know, they're watched because with their PTSD, they're more likely to get depression and anxiety. A lot of um, people who experience PTSD, they can no longer hear loud noises, right? And that's from, you know, a tour of war. Now, when we talk about the black community, for example, we talk about generations and generations and generations of trauma, like extreme, extreme, extreme trauma throughout slavery that we that has gone unchecked and unaccounted for right nobody has ever been held accountable for those sins um mm-hmm. you know there's no free health care to provide mental health care for all of these descendants right we've done nothing to take care of the black community we've done nothing to make make any amends for the sins of this country and so that has trickled down as we see you know throughout like we talked about yesterday i think we talked about how gang violence and how with polynesians for example when they go out and they drink and they get so drunk to the point where they'll fight whoever, you know, mm-hmm. out, out here in Kansas City, you know, that's risking your life, you know, fighting out at the clubs, you know, somebody, somebody will shoot you, you know, that's suicidal, you know, yeah. if at the root of it, it's suicidal, you know, and so what traumas have you experienced that make you so okay with just losing your life for your pride, you know, yeah. that, that in itself, you know, it's a mental health issue that has gone unaddressed. And, um, you know, we, like I said, the um, the traumas we've experienced in this country are nowhere near as bad as, you know, the traumas the black community has experienced. But we still, as a community, have experienced a lot of violence amongst each other, you know, whether it be, you know, in the home or amongst, you know, friends, you know, out in fighting and drinking and this and that. But what we've never really addressed is the root of those issues, at, at least publicly as a community. And that's why I say it, it's important for podcasters like you guys to bring Mm -hmm. these conversations to the surface and really put them at people's front door um so somebody can listen to this and be like you know what i'm gonna text this episode to my mom or i'm gonna send this episode to my dad you know who needs to hear this my uncle Mm -hmm. needs to hear this i'm gonna send this to them right now so Mm -hmm. and, and they won't have that without you guys here, right? Because nobody else is doing it. Nobody else is really doing the research or taking the time to have these conversations. So that's it. Thank <laughs> you. I love that. Yes. yes. Right, I kind of totally segued to something different. <laughs> no, you're no. It's important info, literally. Yeah. It really is. And this was even one of the subjects that we wanted to do a clubhouse episode on with Bradley. So stay tuned for that because I really do want to plan a night where we can get on and see other people's point of views. But on the subject and the topic of generational traumas, we did want to touch on timing can kind of play into that 
because I feel like with timing, it can bring insecurities and anxieties of staying in relationships that you shouldn't be in, friendships that you shouldn't be in. When we talk about it tonight, just knowing when to get out of those situations, because I think it's hard to gauge whether or not it's worth fighting and staying or removing yourself from a situation like that. Yes. And I'm really glad that we did kind of talk about generational traumas a little bit before we got into the main subject of our episode, because I believe honestly with all of my heart that those generational traumas play a huge part into why we as women, as men in the Polynesian community, or even as people of color, any ethnicity really in this world, it huge it plays a huge difference or I guess part into why we overstay um, in these toxic environments because of what we've been conditioned to believe as far as relationships, marriage, friendships, things like that. And so that's also why I wanted to bring Bradley in because of her knowledge and of course her experiences. So on that note, um, could you, Bradley, sort of expound on your experience, I guess, in with that in mind, the aspect of timing and toxic relationship in your life? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, with me, I would say the timing was really not on my own at all, you know, and I think this was something that I had mentioned to you all is my in the last two years after getting out of um, toxic situations that I had put myself into and letting go of, you know, a lot of things that I felt like made me who I was. It was God's timing that really did it all for me because it was when I finally decided to stop trying to control things that um, that everything started to fall into place. And I had mentioned that we had talked about, um, do you guys like Tyler Perry movies, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So I've always liked Tyler Perry movies. People have their issues with Tyler Perry movies, you know, but they, (laughs) they started off as Christian like plays, you know, and that's kind of probably why they're problematic because, you know, Christianity can be kind of problematic, but um, (laughs) anyway, so there was a quote that I'll never forget from uh, Medea when she was in one of those plays. And it was when somebody tells you who they are, believe them, you know, and for me, you know, in, in my younger days, in my earlier relationship, I was almost positive that I could make a person into something that they were telling me with their actions that they did not want to be, you know, and, and that was on me, you know, that was my fault. And I feel like it comes from my own insecurities and my own experiences, like with in my, you know, upbringing with religion and this and that to portray a certain image and to follow a certain um a certain i guess playbook you know there's and that's one misconception i feel like we have as kids is that there's one way to do things you know there's one correct way to live life and it is x y and z you know so i was on x and i was having a really hard time getting to y you know and i couldn't figure out why like i'm i'm here at this step and i'm not advancing to the next step and i don't understand why but you know I am I guess in a way I was a control freak and I thought it was something that I could make happen you know so I had forced myself to stay in a certain situation for a long time um and then by the end of it I had realized you know I can't control this I need to let go and you know that just same old saying you know let let go if it comes back it was yours if it doesn't it never really was you know yeah that's what I've learned you know nothing that is meant for me will ever miss me you know it will all come to me eventually 
financially. And so, yeah, and that's why I say, you know, that's my advice to everyone is just to, you know, let go and let God. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot because everybody here, Soraya, me, Soraya and Bradley kind of grew up in the same culture of Christianity and being LDS. And like Bradley said, like, I feel that so strongly too, because I did X, Y, and Z. I went a little further off before Y. <laughs> I ended up, fit, you know, doing what I needed to do to end up at Y. And it did not give me the feelings that they said it would. And so I had to change that. And so I did have to make my own formula for happiness. Um, because, yeah, I mean, it, they don't give you room to make your own way. And everybody's different. So, of course, your way is going to be different. But they don't tell you that. That's for sure. Um, my parents probably don't accept or like the way that I <laughs> made my own way. But I think it is important to do that because then you're going to feel those feelings of happiness. Yesterday, yes. it's not at all to dog on our parents. You know, they definitely did the best that they could and no handbook on how to raise kids. But I feel like especially in the Samoan community, like my dad, like specifically, I feel like a lot of Samoan parents, they they don't really like trust their their own instinctual parent parenting skills so they trust the church and they they put it in the hands of the church and they say just do whatever the church says um do this this and that and you'll be okay you know and in a way they're right right you know the basics of christianity of do good and be charitable and be kind and you know those are all exactly what we need to be doing every single day but like we talked about yesterday at some point it gets more about policy and procedure and less about um following and listening to the spirit inside of us right so And I think that's kind of what our parents relied on. They said, you know, they relied more on the policy of things, you know, um, wear this, you don't wear that, you know, very specific um, policies and rules. And sometimes when you get too caught up in that, you can ignore your your children's emotional needs and their mental needs. And it's hard, like (laughs) my parents specifically, I remember, and I know that my parents feel a completely different way today, right? In the day of information, they have a different mindset. But when I was younger, I remember... I remember specifically having like a family like thing where they talked about how depression isn't real it's a it's a result of sin you know so if you're sad you're sinning you know so me as a child I'm like <laughs> I'm seven you know like what am I doing wrong like so at some point, like, uh... it becomes about guilt and it becomes about, you know, angst and anxiety and, and sadness. And then so that's what eventually I had to realize. I was like, this is not what God, what my God wants for me. Like, he doesn't yes. want me to feel this way. He doesn't want me to feel sad. He doesn't want me to force myself into a certain box if I'm not happy, you know. And I feel like since then, I've been a much happier and a better light for other people, you know, mm-hmm. taking care of myself. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, that is just so true. And I 100% resonate with that because even now, sometimes admitting to how church culture has definitely been a little toxic for me. It's like, I sometimes harbor this guilt, even mentioning it because going against, you know, church culture is, and what we were raised to believe is always just like, you don't do that. Yeah. Don't question anything, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not trying to dog on my parents either, like how you said, because I love my parents and I'm so grateful for the basic principles of Christianity that I learned because I do believe in those things, but just church culture. I know everyone who has been raised in a religion 
can 100% agree that church culture is toxic. Mm -hmm. You cannot tell me that you do not see the toxicity of it in your life. And so that does also play into, it transcends into our relationships, especially Mm -hmm. when we do have those desires of wanting a family and, and, and having a really great relationship. We ignore, we deliberately choose to ignore red flags so that we can achieve that picture perfect life that we were taught to strive for, you know, and it's, it's hard because then we have women staying in abusive, mentally and physically abusive relationships. We have men also dealing with the same thing. And Mm -hmm. especially our Polynesian men who have uh, their own pride and anger issues to deal with, Mm -hmm. you know, taught healthy outlets to communicate about how we're truly feeling because it's always like don't question and then you like how you said you're seven years old and you feel guilty for something that you didn't even do it's crazy yeah it's crazy and and that's why like for me for example i have no i am in no way shape or form an anti lds person like Mm -hmm. i i have no i have no quarrels with the church i have no issues with the doctrine and a lot of the things that they say and and believe i have no problems with it's like i said it's more about the policy and procedure it's about the men and women the imperfect men and women who Mm -hmm. create kind of a a toxic like you said a church culture and Mm -hmm. one thing for example that i think has especially affected polynesian communities is that snitch culture of church as well you know that if if you know that your friend is you and that's i think back on some of the experiences that i had at church with church leaders and i'm like i was a child you know what i'm saying like yes to come to me about my friend's sexual experiences or my friend's sins or my you know and expect me to basically out my friends like that kind of creates a a distrust amongst us as friends and as a community and so for that yes and that's why i look back and that was one thing to me like i feel like is also a reason that we kind of keep things to ourselves because we know we eventually you know if somebody hears about this you know and somebody tells the bishop you know everybody's wondering oh you know who's taking the sacrament who's not taking this you know everything's always on display and Mm -hmm. and sometimes you know that can be kind of a toxic culture is you know trying to create that image and that's where it comes from is that we don't want to be those people who aren't taking the sacrament or we don't want to be those people who aren't showing up at this or you know for example like when girls like get pregnant you know now they're no longer allowed to be in young women's as if they're not young women anymore you know as if they don't need crazy that information as if they don't need support as teenagers as if they automatically turn into grown women just because there's a child inside them so christianity at its at its core is inherently good i feel like yeah exactly i know that we always touch upon the lds church because that's the church that we all grew up in it's really any organized religion that you may have grew up in that you feel like you said i have my family there's people in my family that are you know gung-ho about every you know guideline that is given and i'm super i love that you know that they find comfort in that and that's totally fine and and i respect that it's just i don't really like when other people like you said the different people who may not feel comfortable in that space or feel a toxic environment and they're judged for that that's not right um but yeah moving forward like with any religion it you should 
or just, I guess, like with any, like even culturally too, it doesn't even have to be religiously, just like culturally, yeah. if you grew up and you feel like you may not belong in a certain space and you feel pressured and it's hard for you to gauge that timing, just know that it's totally fine to feel the way that you're feeling because we're all different. And I guess it's hurting you more to try and force yourself to be in a space that you're not really meant to be in, mm. you know, and just find that courage to branch out and find your path. So I guess that also like brings me back to your relationship, Bradley, because of our upbringing and what, everything that you mentioned, how did you find the courage to leave that toxic environment? Because I know even like from, from my experience, it was really hard to leave, even though I knew it was toxic. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, even after I came, um, I took away the pressures of trying to live up to that perfect LDS family that I knew it wasn't happening it was still hard for me to leave um, or for us to even end our relationship. So how, what was it for you that let you feel comfortable with finally closing that chapter in your life? I guess it was just kind of a, a number of things, really. You know, I really had to ask myself, like I said um, yesterday, I had actually, you know, before it ended my previous relationship, I had told the person I was with that I was going to end it. Like I, I gave them actually a year to end it. And I look back and I'm like, that is so ridiculous you know what kind of person can give somebody a year to get their shit together right you know if if I really loved myself if I really cared about myself I would have been like you know you have 30 days you know you got you got a week you know get your shit together get out type shit you know but and I think that kind of goes back to you know the the kind of relationship that you're in you know for me you know thankfully I don't know I've just always had I've always been a very practical person even in that relationship as long as it was I always you know kept everything in my own name I always you know I was always Mm -hmm. I was always very plan b you know and to a point that's kind of a fault of mine you know I can never really trust anything at least that's how I was I could never really trust Mm -hmm. that plan a was going to work I would always have plan b c d whatever so yeah like I said I was a control freak at one point and eventually I had to realize that you know maybe this isn't meant for me you know maybe it's not working because it's not where I'm supposed to be and I even told you know I really I told myself that I would I like had swore off men for like a year I was like eh <laughs> don't need them. Like, what are they good for? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like I said, I had nothing to do with it because it was it was literally not but six months later that you know I I attended a wedding and I ended up meeting my my now husband and I look back and it was literally all just got it, it I had nothing to do with it it was literally a matter of God's timing and what I was really doing and I I mean this in the most literal of ways I was blocking my own blessings by holding on to something that was no longer meant for me you know I was fighting tooth and nail for something that God was trying to get rid of that's what I had. To to realize and kind of like what you guys were talking about earlier is kind of listening to yourself I had to realize I need to trust myself you know and I never have you know I've never really trusted my decisions I've never really trusted that I am capable or strong or smart enough to make a permanent decision you know and that's what I was scared of you know I was scared you know if I do this a lot will change you know what you know I have no idea you know you plan your life to be one way and the thought of it being another way is really scary so 
fear is what keeps a lot of us like holds a lot of us back and we need to let go of whatever we're scared of because at the end of the day we'll be okay as long as we're doing what we feel is right you know what we feel in our hearts is the right thing for us to do you're always going to be okay Mm -hmm. that's true and while you were talking it made me think of because knowing bradley that long or as long as i have it just made me think of that quote that's just kind of like let go of something good so you can have something better and bradley's relationship when i being her friend through all of that bradley was happy but cut to you know last year her seeing her get married and just seeing how her relationship is now with someone different like i've never seen her so happy and <laughs> and i feel like that can be for everybody you know like yeah your relationship might be good and not toxic or not as toxic as you know someone else but when you do start having those feelings of like I looked up what it is some things that you can look for to know when it is time to kind of let go Um, so when you do have feelings of like living in the past you know just thinking that they can change or even just feeling obligated to stay because of how long you guys have been together I think you can just look to the future (laughs) (laughs) like that right there's levels there's levels to happiness but there's also levels to unhappiness and Mm -hmm. like a big reason why I had stayed in my previous relationship as long as I did was because I'd never been cheated on you know that was that was toxic to me Mm. that was a bad relationship to me being cheated on you know I'm not being cheated on yeah like what do I have to complain about like you Mm -hmm. know that type of thing but at the end of the day what I had to really realize is that I have different goals than this person. I have different dreams than this person. I have different aspirations than this person, you know, and that is really hard to make work when you when you have two different visions, right? And that's why, like, as much as I like love teenage love, like, that's the thing about teenagers, I won't say that teenagers don't know how to love, I'll say that teenagers love too much, you know, they don't know how not to love, you know, and that's like, if it were me, I would advise every teenager to wait (laughs) until they're 20s to fall in love because people will take that love and they will take all of it they'll soak it up and they'll leave you dry you know and so and that's why I just feel like thankfully you know for me I was in a position to exit the relationship you know I I wasn't married to this person I didn't have kids with this person you know but there was still a very like emotional tie I almost felt scared for this person like what will they do without me like where Mm -hmm. will they go you know what's going to happen to Mm -hmm. them and I had to realize I'm thinking more about that person than I'm thinking about myself Mm -hmm. so if I'm thinking about him and he's thinking about him who's thinking about me (laughs) preach period so that's what I really had to realize is all of us we have to love and know ourselves before we can ever really know and love anybody else because that's another thing I realized I don't really know who I was I didn't know what was important to me I didn't know where I was going I didn't know if I wanted to go back in time or forward in time I was was lost I oh gosh that is just so important because we even touched upon this yesterday with me and my situation I'm definitely that person that like relishes in the past and just talking about the aspect of time you don't really realize how much you evolve and you're not the same person that you were when you first met your partner whoever they may be I mean 
And so that's something that I've literally had to come to acceptance with in my situation now that me and my husband are going through our divorce. It is really toxic when you're just thinking about that person or just like who that person was. And you're not really picking up the signs like how you mentioned if someone's telling you who they are, believe them. You don't, you're like blinded to the fact that this person has changed and so have you. I didn't realize I was so worried about his changing and like, oh my gosh, like how do I control this? Like he's not the same, you know, as before. And maybe I should do these things to like make him realize X, Y, Z. And, and now finally, after how many years I'm like, I don't even want those things. Like, why was I forcing him to like try, you know, and and it just makes me realize like, like what you said, we have become different versions of ourselves and that's okay. It's just, you have to be courageous enough to admit that to yourself (laughs) and know that it's, you know, it is scary. I'm 100% scared, still am. And the fi- the finality of making a real end to this relationship is really sad and scary for me. But I'm hopeful, you know, because, yeah. yeah, I do have different goals. We all have different goals and dreams and passions, and we deserve to pursue those. And yeah. The night is darkest before the dawn, right? You have to have Mm -hmm. those worst, you have to get to the worst part of it to get to the best part of it. And that's, that's what I had to realize too, you know, is I was like, for a long time, I had guilt for choosing something that I thought was best for me, like guilt for taking care of myself, you know, but it wasn't until, you know, months and months later, you know, when I did meet my husband, and I realized where my life was meant to go. That's when Mm -hmm. I didn't feel guilty anymore. Because then I realized that's not where his life is meant to go either you know he will be okay something is meant for him just like something is meant for me but I would have never learned that if I wasn't taking care of myself if I wasn't focusing on myself so I feel you and that's why honestly like if it were up to my parents I would have been married at 19 and I would be getting divorced at your age like I don't know because I I know myself and I know that not even you know the you know finality of marriage would keep me in a space that I think is not good for me, you know, because that's just the kind of person that I am. And that's why I really do think it is important to go and grow through all of the experiences that you have throughout your life. Because I, I mean, Bradley and I were just joking around about it last night. Just like, you know, I had to go through crazy shit show. So I'm like the best wife for my husband. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so true. Like even not even in relationships, like I had to experience what it was like to have a bad friend and to be a bad friend so I can know how to be a best friend to somebody, you know, just like I had to go through being treated like shit to realize how it feels and what I need to do to be treated the best. So you really do have to go through those shitty things, unfortunately, so that you can be refined and better and yes. actually be the best person that you can be 100% and I, I I really do love that about our conversation because I know that there's just so many people out there that are putting themselves through shitty situations for longer than they need to be I am exhibit a of that situation uh, but yeah really the sooner like you mentioned the sooner you know yourself like really put the time into getting to know yourself again because we all change of course I feel like that's when we will come into our own and understand exactly what we deserve 
and what we want in life. And then we can just make those decisions. They'll never be easy, but at least they'll be worth it. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a lot easier said than done. Nobody and nobody could have told me what to do at that point. It was all on me, you know, and on Mm -hmm. my timing. And it's really hard to get through to a person um, that thinks they know it all. And that was me. You know, I was like, (laughs) I really don't care. Like, I'm smart. I'm capable. I know this. I know that. And turns out, I guess I don't know shit, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Life life is literally completely different than what I thought it would be. And yet it's 10 times better. You know, Mm -hmm. and and that's that's the thing is kind of like, Shuli, like you said earlier, you're turning in something good and it's scary. It's scary to let go of that thing that you know that you have for sure that's good and to let it go to possibly get something back you know it's a scary thought but i'm telling you there's something better you know and 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 i don't mean to say oh you know i don't mean for all these good marriages to start like over analyzing and be like (laughs) (laughs) i could have got two dozen roses instead of one dozen. i just mean you know and that was the thing you'll feel it you know when it's time when you feel like you no longer belong in this space and that's why it, and this it's I love having these conversations with you guys because I feel like everything ties back together but just like we were talking about policy and procedure right sometimes we hold on to that idea we need to maintain this marriage you know that's what everybody says you need to maintain this relationship you've already put all this energy and time into this you need to do what God wants you to do and you need to get married if you're living together you need to get married if you're having kids together so we get caught up in procedure and we forget to listen to those voices that we do have inside of us you know we forget to listen to those feelings that we have that are going to tell us what's going to work for us and what's not going to work for us the longer we spend time with ourselves and get to know ourselves we'll be able to feel those things you know those energies like energy spirits a universe whatever (laughs) you call it you know though i i am a big believer in like you know the law of attraction or manifestation or praying you know i believe Mm -hmm. in those things and i really do believe that if you are being the best person that you can be and you have a genuine and authentic relationship with God or the universe or whoever it is that you you communicate with, everything will go the way it's supposed to go because you're in tune with that. We can't be spiritually in tune if we have all kinds of noise around us, you know, all kinds of unnecessary stressors, you know, we need to be at peace. So we need to get rid of those things that, you know, disrupt our peace. Yes, exactly. And yeah, I mean, honestly, that's what we wanted to get out of this episode. I think just growing into your best self and in turn that, you know, helps all the relationships that you're in. And like you said, Bradley, like, yeah, you could have a good marriage, but there's things that you and your spouse could do to make it even better. And just like any friendship, you can cultivate it and make it into something that's better. But I think that's what we wanted for our episode today, the importance of loving yourself and knowing when to get out of those relationships that <laughs> and you know what i will say this you know what we're not always right either mm-hmm. you know and those yes. while we're out here loving ourselves and praising ourselves and building ourselves up we also need to be very real with ourselves and figure out what it is about us because let's be real it takes two to have a bad relationship and, yep. and no one person can take full accountability for a bad relationship mm-hmm. but we need to really know ourselves and knowing our flaws as well and that's something that I had to get to know about myself in order to have a successful relationship after what you feel like is the failed relationship 
you have to make those adjustments because you will take those same bad habits and those same, you know, the same chip that you had on your shoulder in the last relationship, it'll still be there in the next one if you don't address that. And if we're not really real with ourselves about what we do wrong, you know, and mm-hmm. our pride and our anger and our this and our that, that's something I had to really get to know about myself too. That goes along with generational traumas too, because the only way it can pass down is if nobody does the work. And so it's time to do the work, y'all. It's time <laughs> to work on that anxiety that your great great grandma had. <laughs> that Congratulations. It's time to work on it. <laughs> Yes, the time is now. (laughs) Get rid of that shit. Honestly, like if and I think I was just thinking about that the other day, you know, Mm -hmm. I think about the love that I have with my husband. And it's when I say it's a love that I've literally never known, not even from my parents, right? Mm -hmm. It's an unconditional an apologetic type of love a forgiving love. But then you think about it. And it's like, who did experience this kind of love before me? Probably nobody. (laughs) nobody. I'm thinking (laughs) no one. (laughs) A gift that we can give ourselves and then it's a gift that we can give to our children as well Uh, and it's really the only thing that we really truly need and in this life if we think about it you know like wealth and all of this it keeps us alive whatever whatever but at the end of the day our relationships and the bonds that we build are really the only thing that we can take with us you know the things that we learn from people so I just love having this conversation with you guys oh no thank you so much for sharing your experiences and shedding some knowledge on these folks because <laughs> we need it <laughs> thank you so much i love you everything you said the platform so i'm really i'm really proud of you guys out here you know setting mm-hmm. these conversations up because uh nobody's asking you to do it and you're doing it anyways and that's why it's really important because nobody's gonna do it if it's not us right like we talked about mm-hmm. i'm proud of y'all doing the thing <laughs> Thank you, girl. Thank you. So good. I think our conversation tonight was so great. Um, Bradley, before you leave, tell us or tell the folks, the people, where they can find you. Oh, yeah. And you guys can find our cannabis cultivation at Jackson County Kush on Instagram. Um, But you can also, if you're interested in college access information, maybe you have a student in your life, um, you can follow our Upward Bound Instagrams at KU Upward Bound. Um, And that's also, if you're living in the Kansas City area, that is where I will give updates about our hopefully our independence and Raytown programs that are coming up this year. So yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Love you. Night. (laughs) I will be listening in. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Bye girl. (laughs) 